In this episode, I talk about my upcoming trial trip to Colorado. I will analyze the disappearances of four cyclists. I detail the final report on the death of Kylie Rodney. And I cover a bunch of other stuff, including the complexity of getting a new phone. I'm Ed Dunsell, and this is Unfound Live for October 17th. 2022. Hello, everyone. It's a Monday night, so it must be the Unfound Live Show coming to you from Clearwater Beach, Florida. Technically not right in Clearwater Beach, if you really want to be technical about it. Technically, I live south of Sand Key. I do not live in Clearwater Beach proper, but I do have a Clearwater Beach address, uh, a zip code of 33767. But I hope everybody is uh, doing well. Uh, of course, many of you know I'm going to talk about this before I'm done tonight. Um, in not that many hours, I will not be in Clearwater Beach. I will be on a flight to Greeley, Colorado. And it is, I think, you don't say, I know people say Colorado, but I think it's Colorado. Pretty sure. Like people say Nevada. That's not right. It's Nevada. It's a hard A, not a soft A. Nevada, not Nevada. Anyway, uh, so actually less than 12 hours from now, that jet will be taking off, which that what that means to me is I'm not getting much sleep tonight, which should, does not make Ed a very happy boy. But so I've been uh, very busy today. Got a lot of work to do before um, I leave tomorrow, although I will be able to do some work, I think, while I'm out there. Like tomorrow evening, maybe Wednesday evening, flying back on Thursday. Um, of course, I can't do any recording out there. I'm not taking my microphone and all that stuff. So um, just do some computer work and some organizing and things uh, while I am out there. So um, just kind of like I did when I was out there uh, almost exactly a year ago. So that's uh, what's coming up. I'm kind of in the process of packing. Uh, I don't, uh, being that they made the arrangements for me, if I want to have like a, a, a piece of luggage that actually gets put in the hold, I have to pay for it. So I'm trying, I'm putting all my clothes in one bag and taking it actually on the plane with me as a carry-on. That's going to be fun. Luckily, I'm only there for two days. So we'll see. Uh, so I'll get into that later. Uh, as you are watching tonight or watching in the replay, please give this video a thumbs up. You know I say it every week. Please give this video a thumbs up on your device, laptop, desktop, phone, tablet, whatever you're doing. Unless, of course, you're driving somewhere. Do not take your eyes off the road, please. So please do that. Uh, if you're not yet a subscriber to the Unfound Podcast channel on YouTube, 
please do so. It'll be worth your while. A lot of uh, high-quality content on this channel, if I may say so myself. And if you're feeling um, like you want to go one step further, why don't you hit the join button down below my head, right and right here in the center of the screen, you'll see that join button, and you can become a member of this channel. Uh, I think it's a really, really good deal for $3 a month. you got to get a lot of extra stuff. So what is going on? You know, I always like to start off, uh, all the those of you who have um, been listening for a long time or watching, I guess, for a long time. And of course, this is a podcast now, and it will be out tomorrow morning because after I'm done at 11 p.m. Eastern tonight, I will wait for this entire video to download and I'll separate out the audio. And then that becomes a podcast. and. That takes some time to put together. So like I said, I'm not getting a lot of sleep tonight. So this past uh, week, this past weekend, I played disc golf on Sunday. At least that is what the sport is called. What I was playing on Sunday, I'm still not sure. I was throwing some like plastic circular items around, but I wouldn't exactly call it golf. (laughs) I mean, it was horrible. I was so... Bad. I would say it was even worse than how I played a couple of those days up in Illinois. I, I don't know what it was. Well, it was one thing that I'll get into in a second, but the uh and I, I say this in all due respect to my good friend Cameron, um, who uh runs who ran this tournament, runs many tournaments in the area. You know, we were just went to uh South Carolina to watch the USDGC a couple weeks ago. We had a fantastic time. But in these events where it's kind of like show up, you know, what they call flex starts, you never know who's going to be in front of you. You never know what kind of problems people are going to have. You never know what kind of backups are going to have. And on top of everything else, I don't like to play slow. And we had a big backup on basket uh, number four. Like, I think we waited 45 minutes to tee off once we got to that. And that just, I think it just put me in a mood, as it usually does. And that mood kind of just stuck with me. Because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know, there is so much work I could be getting done right at this second. Because usually, you know, weekends are are work days for me. Even if there is a disc golf tournament, uh, disc golf tournament, work, like, you know, we're at whatever I'm doing, wherever I'm going, I have to write. I have to do this. You know, Saturdays and Sundays are work days. I do the think tank, finish up the blog, etc. So anytime I'm out on a disc golf course on either of those days and it's slow and there's a backup or something, I my mind starts wandering. So I think that was part of it. In addition, I really haven't been practicing and uh, just once again, too busy, got these things going on, going to USDGC. And then I had to do some things because I know I'm going to be out in Colorado for a few days. So my entire schedule has kind of been flip-flopped and everything else. In addition, of course, being that we're in October, it gets dark earlier. So I usually like to go out like that last hour before the sun sets because it's nice and it's cool and everything. Of course, that's happening a lot earlier now. So it was a lot of things put together, and I was just so happy to get off that disc golf course on 
yesterday. You just don't even know. So it did not go well. Once again, it's a round that's going to hurt my rating. Oh, well. And uh, But I, I will tell you the truth, though. I have some plans for my disc golf game in 2022. I, although I've played really well this year, won some tournaments, um, didn't play well at Worlds. But other than that, fairly consistent, I would say. I still don't like where my disc golf game is. So I'm going to take a long look at it, given that I'm really not playing much for the rest of the year. So that went on yesterday. It was a beautiful day over there at Cyprus. Beautiful course. Um, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that I don't think that I'll ever get used to it. That when it's a flex start, you never know what's going to happen. There are no tee times or anything. And I know the the argument, well, you get there, you get there first thing in the morning, and then you don't have to. Well, that's true. But not everybody can tee off first either. So what are you gonna do? And of course, the, the other part of it is once we were finishing up, like around, you know, I don't even know what time do we tee off? Noon. We didn't even get done till four. Well, like you know, when we were coming through that part of the course again. There was no backup. Nobody even showed up to play at three o'clock. So I suppose I could have showed up then, but then of course the think tank wouldn't have gotten done yesterday evening. So priorities, I guess. So I didn't play very well. I was humorously bl- bad, even though um, <laughs> I wasn't smiling much. So that was my disc golf uh problems this weekend i'm just gonna see who is now in here take a little break here and we'll get to the next thing shelly says warm hello back to you in ireland while i have extensive irish heritage in my maternal ancestry and it's definitely in my bucket list to visit my lifetime i'm from ohio hello valerie what's going on uh nephew charles am i going to be uh seeing you within like the next what would that be 48 hours or something like that maybe maybe Hello, everything. Karen, what's going on? And Mona or Moana, uh, Deborah, Kathy, Suzanne, Shri, I did get your text right before the show started. I don't think I'm going to get to talk about that tonight, though. Thank you for moderating, Twinkle. And Sarah and M, just one letter, M. No name, just one letter, M. And Spleen Girl, Spleen, where you been? I haven't seen you uh, in a while in the chat. Where have you been? And there's Boston too. What's going on, Boston? So I always forget it's on Mondays. Well, aren't you aren't you a subscriber? Do you not get the uh, alert when uh, it goes live? Swain, what's going on there? And coffee, how are you doing? So moving on to the next topic. Uh, another thing that put me in a mood during my disc golf round that immediately wanted caused me to not want to be there anymore is my phone died on the course yesterday. This is the phone. You should know that LG, they don't even make cell phones anymore. But I had an LG Velvet and and really liked the phone. It was the third one I had, but each one of them had the same issue. Work absolutely great. You get them absolutely fantastic. They're they're durable. They're fast. They have a lot of memory. Fantastic phones. Okay. 
but they break down within a split second. You don't even know it's coming. And it doesn't even look like anything's wrong, but it will not. You'll be able to talk and text on it, but you will not be able to do any data work on it at all. No getting no emails, can't use any of your apps or anything else. And it happens like that. And that happened to my phone. This is the third LG Velvet phone that I've had that done this. Now you may say, well, why'd you keep getting the same phone, Ed? Because it was under warranty and I get getting new ones for free. But I told myself, if this third LG Velvet phone does this, I am done. And so it happened yesterday. So first thing this morning, when the T-Mobile store right across the causeway here opened at 10 a.m., I was there, and I got a new phone, this one right here. It is a Samsung. Samsung is still in the cell phone business. It's an S53 5G. It's nice. It's good. I told the I, – I, it's probably like 20 or 21, the kid. Of course, I'm 52 now, but I told – the kid, you know, I just, uh, you know, what's what do I use my phone for? Talking, listening to music. I don't care much about the camera or anything like that. I just want a reliable phone because I am done with the, I'm just done. I'm just done. So I didn't go for like the cheapest, cheapest Samsung phone. Uh, I went for like, like middle of the road. And of course, I'm on a payment plan that is part of my T-Mobile uh, plan that I have with them, which is like unlimited data and everything else. You should know I've been a T-Mobile customer for 19 years. And in fact, although it didn't come up today, um, usually when I go into a T-Mobile store, or I've had to call T-Mobile. Well, they'll look me up. They, they always bring something. Oh man, you've been with us for 19 years. I have to have been like back at the time probably one of the first people to ever sign up with T-Mobile back at the time in 2003. Seriously, I was just like, I would got in at the ground floor level. Maybe I should have done that with like Facebook stock or something. But, uh, it, but it didn't come up today, but I've been a customer for 19 years. I have no complaints about them once, um, about them at all. But the funny thing is that you just can't get a cell phone anymore. And this is like in the introduction to this for all you podcast people, you know, the complexity of getting a new phone. Being that this phone, see that LG Velvet phone, when, well, there's my phone right there. You can hear it ringing and I'm going to have to. Come on. I can't answer that. I'm not. It's just going to have to ring. And just gonna, I know who it is. I'm not going to say who it is, but I'd like to answer it, but I'm not. How, co how coincidence, what a coincidence that I'm talking about my phone and it rings. Anyway, um, being that this phone is still so new, it came out just this year. And my LG Velvet phone, I think it those were new maybe back in 2017. In the last five years, they've changed things. Like even the charging cables are different now. And so the, the kid, the guy, even told me at T-Mobile, you know you're going to have to get 
you know, uh, a different charging cable for the phone. Yes, the connection that you were plugging into your old LG phone will work on this phone. But if you use one of those cords that has the USB-C on one end, but the regular like USB, like we're used to on the other end, that you know, USB connections that have been around for like 15 years. If you do that, eventually it'll ruin your battery in your new phone. So before I even came home, I mean, you get a cord with it. I had to get a new plug-in charger and it goes into an outlet. I had to get another line. I had to get a, um, you know, a plug-in charger for my phone in the car, like a cigarette lighter connection that goes in there. So I can charge sheet. You just can't get a phone anymore. You have to get all these other things because, you know, technology has changed. And I didn't want to, um, I don't want to burn out the battery on my new phone. And that's the, if you don't realize this, that's another thing with new cell phones. You can't take the batteries out of them. You cannot take these phones apart anymore. I remember back in the day, you know, if your phone would lock up, what did you do? All of us like Gen Xers, we remember this. What happens? Your phone locked up. You take apart your phone, take the battery out of it, put it back in and everything would be fixed. You can't do that anymore. The LG Velvet phone can't couldn't open that up. You can't open this one up either. So when the battery goes, if something goes, then the phone's toast. You just can't put a new battery in it. So, uh, so I learned some things today, but it was one of those things where, I, like I said, I had made a commitment to myself. Uh, when I got this third LG Velvet, and I have it here because I had to pay it off. Um, so it's my phone now. It's sitting right here on the counter, even though it doesn't work. You can get into it. You can pull everything up, and it works on Wi-Fi. But if I go outside to actually use the 5G service of T-Mobile, won't work. So crazy, so crazy. And that's exactly what happened to the other two phones out of nowhere. Perfect phones, then boom, couldn't be fixed. New SIM card, did this, did that, reset, nothing, done. So I'm hoping I have better luck with the Samsung uh, S53. Uh, it does seem to have a very good reputation, so I'm hopeful. And, and Samsung's still making phones, whereas LG is not in the phone business uh, anymore. It's like they do TVs and things. In fact, my new smart TV right over there that the renter got uh, is an LG and it's fantastic. So that is my new phone adventure. And of course that given that I was going, I'm going to Colorado tomorrow. I'm like, I have to get a phone today. And so I was kind of feeling a little anxious uh, thinking about this. And I was already trying to compute in my head. What happens if I go over there and something weird happens and I can't get a phone. I mean, I know that's like crazy talk, but you never know. And I was starting to think, well, what am I going to do? What It'll work on Wi-Fi so I can use it when I get to the airport. I can use it on the plane. Won't be able to use it driving on the ride from Denver up to Greeley. I'll probably have Wi-Fi at the hotel and everything. So I have to start thinking all way ahead if my phone's only going to work with Wi-Fi and not work with the regular you know, 5G signal. Luckily, I got a new phone, but it's just, it just got so complex so quickly. You know, if um, I wasn't going to Colorado tomorrow, 
probably, I don't know if I would have gotten up early to do this today or not because really don't have any plans, really wasn't planning to go anywhere, and the phone works at home. So there you go. And this, like I said, this is the phone right here. It has a new case on it. It is a, uh, like I said, a uh, Samsung Galaxy F53 that came out in January of this year, so fairly new. There are certainly ones that um, are fancier and more expensive and everything, but really, I I think this phone retails at like $450, but like I said, I'm on a uh, payment plan with no interest, so it just gets put right in there to my regular cell phone fees. So there you go. But uh, it, it just from just was on my mind, and it ticked me off. My disc golf play ticked me off. Playing slow ticked me off, and then my phone quit ticked me off. It was just one thing after another, after another, after another. It was just a bad day yesterday. Okay, moving on. Um, maybe uh, once again, you know how uh, you know I always come up with something else to talk about in this intro. To before we really get into the true crime, missing persons, disappearance stuff that is the main part of this live show. But I always, this live show is always a little bit of slice of life. What's going on in Ed's life? Um, you know, things that are on my mind, things I run into, weird things that happen. And of course, Powerball, and I did buy my ticket today. I got it for tonight. Uh, it's up to like what four hundred and ninety million or something. And if you take, you eventually get half of that. If you take like the payment plan, you get half of it. If you take the annuity all one time, then it's even reduced. But still. But if you ever want to do something really, really interesting, if you and if you play Powerball or Mega Millions, especially when it gets up to like the numbers that it are now and should know the mega millions was up to 400 million and it just got hit by somebody, somebody in California and Florida here together combined. I think past Friday, but you can go to this site. It's called usamega.com. So it's usamega.com and you can put in like the numbers. If you regularly, if you play like the same numbers over and over and over, or uh, if you're just interested in statistics, if you want to see how often a certain number has come up, a certain Powerball, or you know the you know the special ball that comes out at the end that's in a different color, if you'd like to know how often a certain number has come up over like the last 30 years or something, on this site it does that. It does that, and I happen to play uh, the same numbers over and over and over. Like a combination of my birthday, my parents' birthdays, my siblings' birthdays, those numbers, some combination of those. And I'm here to tell you, my numbers are horrible, but they're actually, it's kind of in a good way. The numbers that I play are some of the ones that hit the least, believe it or not. And so I guess what I'm saying, I think I'm due. I think I'm due that my numbers are due to hit it big uh, soon because they are really are some of the worst numbers. For example, um, I play my birthday, which is, of course, August 1st, 1970. You can't play 70, but you can play one and eight. One and eight are, are not good numbers for Powerball. They don't hit as, as often as other numbers. 
So I, like I said, I'm due, but if you really want to do something, if you're really bored, in fact, I even made a joke about it on my Facebook page, uh, this past weekend on Saturday night, I was just sitting here cooking chicken wings, drinking some Coca-Cola, just chilling out because I'm a single hermit. I found that site USA Mega and I just was doing all sorts of crazy, putting in numbers and checking things. That's just fascinating to me. It is just fascinating to me. So I must have spent like two hours on that site. I was doing this. I was working on some unfound stuff. And then I go back to that. I'm listening to a phone call. I'm going there. I'm just doing like multitasking all things. But you got to check that out. USAmega.com if you are into Powerball and Mega Millions. If you want to check out the numbers that, that you play or you maybe get randomly selected. And if you have some of your old tickets, you can put them in there and and see how it those compared to other numbers. Very interesting. And once again, uh, as you are watching tonight, do not forget to give this live show a thumbs up. Please do. Whether you're watching live or in the rerun, please do that. And see what everybody uh, is saying. Spleen, once again, says, I almost forgot it's on Mondays. And uh, Coffee says, I was one of the people you kicked out last night. I didn't. Did I kick you out, Coffee? What do you mean? I didn't kick anybody out. What she's talking about is the think tank last night was free. It was public. Uh, that was a mistake. But I didn't kick anybody out. I really can't kick anybody out. We didn't. We can't ban people. I didn't, you know, or anything. So I don't know what you're talking about, Coffee. Hello, Deborah. And uh, Boston, I honestly miss the days without cell phones. Boston says. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, Boston. Uh, I just have to admit that without cell phones, I could not do this podcast. So there you go. Um, what is, is that? everybody's saying me too, screen cover, great cell phone, education, Deborah. I don't like change. Twinkle, I hate getting a new computer and a new cell phone. Well, I almost had to get a new computer. Luckily, I was able to fix this HP one on my own. Uh, M says, I've been wanting to ask this for a while. Is Unfound on the Ground have anything to do with your podcast or is it completely separate? Well, it is part of what we do here, uh, M. And it's just my assistant and he does presentations and does little discussions regarding well-known disappearances once a month. Uh, I oversee it. I pay attention to it. Uh, It is for... Uh, premium Patreon members, although those unfound on the grounds are eventually made public, but not until like a month after they are played. So um, that it, it does have everything to do with the projects. That's why it's on this channel. So the answer is yes. Coffee says the think tank disappeared three minutes in. It's weird. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, Coffee, because I didn't change anything. So I'm not sure what to make of that. Fair enough, Ed Boston says, regarding uh, cell phones. That's just the way it is. I have to be a realistic. Uh, I, I will admit, and I don't want any, 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 anybody to be offended by this, but I, um, I would like to think that the way that Unfound and many other podcasts of all different types, I would like to think that Unfound uses social media the way it's supposed to be used. I'd like to think that. 
And I do think that. Uh, it's, it's something, of course, we know how horrible it can be, too. But I would like to think that Unfound, myself, my assistants, anybody else um, connected to the program, guests, bloggers, whoever, I would like to think that we all use social media the way that it's supposed to be used in a very positive way. And certainly I could not do Unfound without Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and everything else. Okay, couldn't do it. Having said all that, I don't know if I would how much I would be on social media if I wasn't doing Unfound. I'd probably I you know I'd be a podcast listener. I'd be doing something. I'd be watching something or anything. But I, me Ed Denzel certainly would not be in as many places as I am now if I wasn't a podcast host. So. When it comes to like before cell phones and all of those things, uh, I just um, I think that that's what the, is the way that uh, it would be. But Unfound's not going anywhere, so I'm all over social media, and Unfound is all over social media. Jasmine says that the think tank didn't disappear for her. Boston says, "I wondered that too." Great question. Deborah, when once a month, uh, Deborah, it comes out once a month, usually the last Sunday of the month, right after the Think Tank plays for premium Patreon members. So, yeah, that's what Unfound on the Ground. It's been around for a couple years now, actually. I think Unfound on the Ground is like episode like 20 something now. I think it got started right around the same time I started doing Unfound now in 2020 sometime. So Eric hosts it, and uh, it's one of those things that we talked about it, kind of started one way, turned into something else, and it's an interesting idea to me. First, it was all about education, and now we've turned it over to like famous disappearances, and I just don't have the time to do it. Eric said he'd do it. Great. So that is what that is. Thank you for asking. But originally, it is something that is done live for premium Patreon members. Those are people paying $12 a month in Patreon and above a month. And there's a discussion. Then once again, a a month later, it's made public to everybody to listen or watch. Whereas a lot of other things that we do with the premium Patreon members are private, like the think tank usually. Kathy got said, yeah, May 2020, and then Unfound Now got started like a month later. It's weird how those things were so close together. All right, last uh, slice of life uh, from what's been going on with me. And that is, uh, of course, this is a big week for going to Colorado and being part of the trial again. Next week, though, is also big. Do you know why next week is also big? I'm going to tell you. Iron Maiden in Tampa next Thursday. So a week and a half from now. I'll be there. I actually bought my tickets as soon as they came out. I think the tickets went on sale in December of last year, and I bought them right when they came out. So that's where I will be next Thursday. So this Thursday I'm missing trivia because I'll be in Colorado. Next trivia, next Thursday I'll miss trivia again because I'll be going to see Iron Maiden 
I'm going to see Iron Maiden with my good buddy Dana Smith, who also coincidentally also is a disc golf tournament director, just like my good friend Cameron. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But um, this will be my third time seeing them. And Dana is a fan of Iron Maiden, but he hasn't seen them since like the early 90s. So um, we have pretty good seats. We're not like right there at the stage or anything, but it's in the Amelie Arena where they play hockey, where the Lightning have their games. So I'm all pumped up for that next Thursday. And if you might remember, uh, uh, I went with Dana last year to see Judas Priest over in Orlando. Uh, That must have been late August, early September of last year. So uh, my buddy Doug, my long, 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 long time friend Doug from like elementary school, um, he was going to try to make it down here for next week and let's hang out for a few days and then let's go to the concert, but he's not going to be able to do that. So asked my good friend Dana if he wanted to go and um, I'm giving him quite a discount on the ticket too. So there's that, but he wants to go and I've, you know, you ask somebody to go. It doesn't sound like, well then give me full price for the ticket. He wants to go. I'm giving him a, a very nice discount on the ticket. My, you know, and I, I'm just happy to not be going by myself. So it all works out. He wants to go. He's a huge fan of them. I haven't seen him in a long time. He gets to see them for a, a, in a great seat for a reduced price. And I don't have to go myself by myself. So there you go. So Iron Maiden next Thursday. And they're already planning another tour for 2023. Although I don't know if they're going to make it to the United States again. It's going to start in Europe. But trust me, I'll go see them on that tour too. So um, Deborah says, can or do we get notifications? Deborah, um, how do you mean regarding Unfound on the Ground? Well, if you are a premium Patreon member, Deborah, then we always uh, – you get the alert. Eric sends out emails. Uh, we post it on Patreon. Uh, I certainly talk about it during like the think tank and everything. But as far as when they're going to be made public on this YouTube channel, um, it just comes out. And you have to remember that what you're watching was recorded a month before that. So it's just like any other video that is being posted. So as far as notifications go, I'm not sure uh, what you mean by that, Debra. Thank you, uh, Mona, Moana, for both the, the guitar and the microphone. we got a microphone right here. And then Boston with her rock on uh, cymbals. Okay. Celine says, I'm subscribed and I get the notifications for it. Okay, very good, Celine. I'm going to take a question now because I got quite, you know, the last few weeks I've not had any questions from anybody, and that's fine. But I have five questions that I have to answer tonight, and I I got quite a bit to talk about. So I'm going to have to take one of those questions right now and intersperse them within the next, over the next hour and a half. Um, I'm going to just take them in the order that I received them, starting with Penny. Big fan of Penny. It's a long one. 
Um, the one for now. Many towns have a citizen on patrol program. Uh, cops, just as the name says, these programs are manned by volunteer citizens. Would using such a model possibly be the basis for a lost missing program in communities throughout the USA? The participants would be trained volunteers. The main purpose is not to let those first precious hours slip away. Understandably, the risk factor to the volunteers would have to be weighed. The volunteers could glean info, et cetera, compile findings, reports that all may go to law enforcement, private investigators, and their family. What say you? Penny, um, what I would say to that is I have nothing against, you know, um, maybe I should put it this way. I'm not one of those people who believes that citizens should play cop. Okay. I realize that people want to look out for their neighborhoods. I realize that it's always good to get along with your neighbors and watch out. You know, if a neighbor goes on vacation for a week, kind of keep an eye on their house and all those things. That's all fantastic. Okay. But the problem when you start getting into like citizens on patrol and things like that is, you know, humans are not perfect. And sometimes those kinds of things, power can go to people's heads. And I think that we've seen over like the last 10 years where regular citizens were doing what they thought was right. And then somehow they convinced themselves that they're actually cops and stuck their noses in where they shouldn't have been belong and started following people they thought were criminals around and whether these criminals were not and never called the cops. And then shootings start and people die and it all gets, it's all very ugly. I'm not a fan of people trying to play cop. Maybe a good example would be, you know, if you are in a state where you are allowed allowed to carry a weapon and you go into a bank, you're doing something in a bank and while you're there, it gets robbed. Somebody comes in, a couple guys with shotguns, holding it up, want to take everything. My opinion is that you are under no obligation, even though you are carrying a gun to try to take these people on. You just go along with whatever they say. Of course, if they give you an opportunity to leave, you do that. Now, if they're threatening people's lives, then maybe that's, that's certainly crossing the line. But my problem is two people, too many people I think want to be put in that position that they're hoping something bad happens so they can do something. So when it comes to back to the, the question here about Penny and citizens on patrol and missing persons cases, I think it's one of those things where it sounds very good in, pra- in theory, but I think because of human nature in practice, it just would not go very well. I think that there's no doubt in my mind there would be people in any community if some child goes missing that they'd go banging on doors and trying to force themselves in because they think this and they think that and people falling for rumors and everything else. Just like, you know, you might think like like the Boston Marathon bombing. Remember when that happened? Horrible. And the two guys who were eventually caught, of course, they were still on the run. 
And there were people who were going on, you know, there's all this security video that was being posted and everything. And there were people, look at this backpack, look at that backpack. Well, there was surely a bomb. And none of these people got any of this right. And, of course, these people's, you know, innocent people's faces are on the video. And people were pointing the finger at them. It can all become very dangerous very quickly. And then somebody innocent ends up getting hurt. So once again, I have no problem necessarily with people looking out for neighbors and things like that. But that is the extent of things like that. Now, if you want to talk about when a disappearance ha- you know, happens and that you know, somebody's they're asking for volunteers to go search a field, search a woods. Do you have any do you have a boat? Can we go out in a river or anything? Then of course you help. Of course. But when it comes to the investigation side and people, like you're saying, the main purpose is to not let those uh, let those precious hours slip away. Uh, you know, trained volunteers and everything. I just don't know if that's the kind of training we want to get. I, I'm I'm all willing to teach people about disappearances. I love doing that. But remember that most of the time, who am I talking to? Of course, you learn from the podcast. But the way this is all going to get fixed, disappearances are going to get fixed as much as they can get fixed, is by people who actually have the power to get warrants and subpoenas and handcuff people. That's why it's it's been a thing for me. Um, you know, to speak to these criminal justice majors and leave some kind of impression on them. So uh, the volunteers could glean info, et cetera, complete fi- compile findings, reports. I just, I just don't know where that would lead, Penny. And, and if it ended up being a murder, and then you have all these people who are not in law enforcement, you just don't know. And people want to get involved for all the wrong reasons. You know, once again, I I have nothing people, you know, we've, we've had some very positive experiences that uh, of people like, um, you know, some people, you know, like Twinkle and a few other people who have gotten involved in disappearances and have certainly made a, a big impact over the last couple of years on disappearances that are decades old. Certainly. But you have to go about it very slowly, very meticulously. No banging on doors and, or anything like, you know, anything like that. So I think it's just one of those things that, it could be it just could be something that would go downhill very very quickly so i'm sorry i'm not putting a very positive spin on it and uh cuz i know there'll probably be people oh that's a fantastic idea but then we would forget how many people as we know in the disappearances that have come, been covered on unfound and um they make stuff up they make stuff up. People make stuff up. And how do we know those want to be some of the people who would want to go through this volunteer program just so they could get involved just for their own personal reasons? So I just 
I'm skeptical, Penny, as I, I guess is the word that, that comes out. I have nothing against people wanting to help, fa- uh, you know, family say, hey, you know, I have some skills here. Let's talk. That to me is more constructive than what is being described in this question. Um, yeah, Boston is remember, every, I remind everybody, hit the notification when Ed goes live. That's true. Thank you. Hello, Valerie. Uh, Gordon says, yeah, Reddit, yeah, bad stuff. Reddit's a perfect example. Now, I, you know, of course, people on there, they think that they are helping. They think that, but anybody can write anything on there. Now, Reddit, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to true crime stuff, is a cesspool. But this is, you know, kind of what happens when you just leave people to their own devices without any structure, without any guidance. And um, I, I think that that would, would be happen, what we're talking about here, what Penny is explaining here. Carrie says, but I like banging on doors. I, I do too, Carrie. It just depends uh, who's going to be on the other side. And did you do the interview with the mom of the 23-year-old guy who disappeared after taking an Uber twice on the same day? I did do that. Yes, Guy Tossick. Um, I had his mother, Olivia, on. Yes. Did that interview a couple years ago. Olivia, yes. Twinkle, we amateurs have to be so careful. We don't want to be a target. There's that too. I just, I, I, I've had this discussion. Like I said, this is, uh, we just have had, once again, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to do politics or anything here, but I think what we've had in the United States Some of these shootings and things that have gone wrong are because of private people trying to play cop. And I'm not for that. (laughs) Obviously, if you see somebody doing something wrong, you have to weigh the positive and negatives of acting or not acting. But most of the time, the best choice is just to step away and call 911 if something really, really bad is happening. Um, Twary, okay, I will stick with annoying agencies. Yeah, for now. Okay, Carrie. So um, let me move on to this. Uh, let's move on to the Jason Jolkowski poll. This is longer, later than I usually talk about a poll, but um, we got to revisit Jason's disappearance given the my time over the last couple of weeks, my schedule has been a little weird, but I've been wanting to do that for a while. And then all of you got to see what we kind of do in the think tank, although it was a little weird, more people in there than usual due to being public. But I posted the Jokowski poll in the group on Saturday morning, and it brought some troll out that we had to eventually end up blocking. Anyway, uh, the Jokowski poll, uh, most people thought that, Jason got abducted by somebody he knew. As I think you got to see any of those who've watched the video in the think tank that was public, uh, it's about the same that people thought he got abducted by somebody that he knew. And for me, writing the blog at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, this is one of those disappearances that the first time I heard about it, even before I really knew a lot about disappearances. I came to the conclusion, this kid got picked up by somebody he knew. Six years later, 
270 disappearances later and everything else that I've done for uh, missing persons cases, I still come to the same conclusion. He got picked up by somebody he knew. Somebody who just happened to be going by bad intentions for whatever reason. Now, I will admit that I kind of lean toward a, you know, an adult figure, maybe a priest, maybe like some sort of sports coach, maybe a teacher, somebody like that. I certainly do not believe it was some teenager or teenagers who came by and did that. And it just, those types of people can't keep their mouths shut. It just, it just really stretches my imagination. I think that this was done by one person for some reason. And if I really, 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 really had to go further, um, my guess is that the reason Jason got in this person's car is because maybe given that this person had obviously had ill intentions, given that Jason went missing, that maybe this person um, had already abused or done something to Jason before. And he felt pressured to get in the vehicle again, you know, some sort of control over Jason. Uh, that is certainly something I can and buy into as well. Uh, Sarah says, yep, I agree with the poll. And did they feel he joined Rainbow Friends? Uh, ring, you mean Sky Tossic? Um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I would go back and listen to the interview. Um, if and um, if you didn't know that we did that one, I would listen to the episode first, and then if you want to email me, uh, we could talk about it. Uh, I don't know if I want to get into did you know did they feel he joined Rainbow Friends and things. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, listen to it and then contact me, un- email me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com and then we can talk about it and please delete all of that, Cherie. Um, what, what's Rainbow Friends? It's kind of like a cult, Sarah. That's not my particular uh, opinion on his disappearance, but I'm not going to speak for Olivia, um, you know, publicly. I'm not going to do that. So um, moving on, Uh, let's talk about those cyclists. You've heard the story. It's out of um, what is it? It's it's just some name that I know that out of Oklahoma. Okamalgi, 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 something like that. I'm such a northerner. Uh, Here's the original story. Four Oklahoma friends were reported missing on Monday after they did not return from a bike ride. Mark Chastain, Billy Chastain, Mike Sparks, Alex Stevens uh, were reported missing Monday evening. Mark Chastain's wife, Jessica, and Alex Stevens' mother reported their disappearances. I know nothing, but I'm feeling lost. I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken. I'm sad. I have so many mixed emotions and thoughts. And as far as I know, nothing has been recovered. Nothing has been found. There's no sign of foul play. Uh, Ogmugly. Okay. Mugly. Please believe that the four close friends left Billy Chastain's home on the West side of town for a bike ride on Sunday evening. 
Two of the men had their cell phones with them, but attempts to call them went straight to voicemail, according to police. Jessica uh, said it was typical of her husband and his friends to go on bike rides, and he would not have left without a trace. He was supposed to watch their two children on Monday morning when she started a new job. Investigators on Wednesday gathered video and GPS evidence and followed up on potential sightings. Um, so then the next story, the middle story, as I'm calling it, is police in that town found multiple objects in the water that have appeared to be human remains in the Deep Fork River Friday amid a days-long search for four missing cyclists. Mark, Billy, Mike, Alex reported missing Monday evening. Mark Chastain's wife and Alex's mother reported their disappearances. The city's police chief said that the remains have been discovered in a news briefing, but he added that no bikes bikes were found, as if that's the most important part. The remains have not been uh, had not yet been recovered from the water. He said, if it's determined that it is not them, then we will have a separate investigation. Police believe that the four close friends left Billy Chastain's home on the city's west side for a bike ride on Sunday evening. Two of the men had their cell phones with them, but attempts to call them went straight to voicemail. Mark Chastain was last heard from on the phone after 5 p.m. Jessica told Fox News Digital Thursday it was typical of her husband and his friends to go on bike rides. Prentice said Friday that a passerby saw something suspicious in the water and called police who were securing the scene. I need to be clear. We don't know that this is our four missing men. Well, I'm here to tell you it was their four missing men. Now, before I read the final story, which uh, does seem that this is foul play, uh, you should know that uh, my assistant, Shree, is also the moderator for this live show. Uh, Twinkle is telling me Okamulgi, hard G, Okamulgi. All right. Thank you, Twinkle. That's how you pronounce it. Who comes up with these words? Um, Shree and I were talking and we both came to the conclusion that, you know, these guys don't exactly look like bicyclists. And in fact, if I can say Shree, Shree, uh, did a little looking into all four of these guys. And it's pretty clear that at least two of them were on bikes because they lost their driver's license for the reasons that we all might expect. So, you know, you know, and even reading about them, looking at them, etc., we have to remember that, you know, they went biking at like five in the evening. We know it gets dark a lot earlier. What are these guys doing? I will tell you, here's what I think I know about cyclists because I see them on golf Boulevard. They don't go out at like six in the evening. They go out like six in the morning. I usually see them like when I'm leaving, uh, if there's a disc golf tournament a ways away and I'm leaving at like six 30 in the morning, I see lines of them going up and down here, at golf Boulevard. Those are cyclists. Four guys who go out at 5 p.m. in the evening and two of them don't have driver's license are not what I would call cyclists. It's something else. They are people who just happen to have bikes, which is different. So, having said all that, the final story. Chief Joe Prentice with the Okmulgee Harji Police Department confirms that the bodies of the four missing men have been pulled from the Deep Fork River. 
Mark, Billy, Alex, and Mike have been missing for nearly a week. While the cause of death is still pending, each of the men suffered from a gunshot wound and the bodies were dismembered before they were dumped into the river. Investigators believe the men were leaving their home to commit a crime. Like I said, this is something that Shri and I were talking about before this news article ever came out. But just something didn't seem right about all of this. But investigators believe the men were leaving their home to commit a crime before they were killed. Joe Kennedy, an owner of a nearby salvage yard, is considered a person of interest. He is missing and is considered suicidal. Although they say he is not considered a suspect at this time. Now, I have to say that being that they're only mentioning one guy, this Joe Kennedy guy, are we to believe that this one guy did all of this? Now, we sh- I think we need to understand something else here. It appears that these four who we now know are deceased and were shot were the instigators, it seems. Like I said, I just read the article. I just read it. Investigators believe the men were leaving their homes to commit a crime before they were killed. So then... If they were the instigators, if they were the criminals, if they were planning to go somewhere, then why did somebody shoot them and then throw them into the water? It would, wouldn't it, I guess it would make more sense. If they were going somewhere, they would have killed somebody and threw that person into the water. So, of course, my first choice is this is all about drugs. And I think what this also shows is that although there can be safety in numbers, I think this is the theme of a recent episode of Unfound, that it all depends. If four guys show up to rob somebody and they don't have a gun, but that guy does, it doesn't matter if there's four of them or ten of them, probably some people are going to die. Now, what was going on in all of this, riding bikes to go to, you know, an owner of a nearby salvage yard, it just feels to me like this is all about drugs. Now, I will tell you that, um, you know, when Shri and I were talking this past weekend, you know, I went more along the lines of, you know, could these guys have been trafficking people from Mexico or something? And Shri brought up, you know, some sort of drug trafficking. I think probably Shri's going to be closer to the truth. They, this had something to do with drugs and it went bad. And um, for some reason, this guy, I mean, there's nobody else mentioned. It would make sense that more people eventually get mentioned. But to think that one guy shot all of them, then butchered them all up and threw them in the, in the, in the river... Boy, that sounds like a lot of work over a lot of time. But maybe. But this is one of those stories, you know, we do Unfound Now, and I try to, um, with Unfound Now, I try to teach people how to read these stories and kind of read between the lines. And this is a perfect example, although I maybe got the trafficking part of it wrong is that there was just something about four guys going out in the evening on their bikes, learning a little bit about them, 
and then looking into their backgrounds a little bit to know that, you know, reading between the lines, these were not guys who were going on a bike ride for their exercise. None of them had any hopes of being in the Tour de France or, or anything. They were, these were a different type of cyclists. And I, and I will tell you, given me, you know, living in two urban areas in the United States, first in Las Vegas and here in, in the Tampa area, I will admit, I see people riding bikes like on city streets. I just automatically think the only reason they're doing that is because they lost their driver's license. Unless they are the people that are riding like here on Golf Boulevard and they're like in a pack and they got the helmets and they got the gear and everything else. If it's not a person like that, I just automatically think this person probably doesn't have a driver's license or lost their driver's license. That's where I am after 36 years of driving that I just, just I just think most people who riding bikes and I realize in different other countries bikes are very popular Japan Europe here in the United States uh like that like that missing persons coincidentally the group missing persons song nobody you know nobody walks in LA uh so what's everybody saying here uh, Twinkle says it's 40 or so miles from where I live. Well, then you should know how to pronounce that. Um, Twinkle says maybe they have to go buy dope. TD, weren't they chopped up as well? That's what it says in the article, TD. They were found dismembered in the water. Dope deal gone wrong. Cherie says four men don't stand a chance against the gun. Once he killed them, he had to dispose of them. The quote I heard was they were going to make the biggest lick of a lifetime. Basically, they were planning a heist of copper or converters or some. Okay. And they got caught. Catalytic converters that make me search salvage art. Okay. It's all coming together now, Cherie. Now, Joe is on the run. The question is, why is he the one that's on the run? I guess he must have been doing something illegal, too. Twinkle, if Joe was afraid of four men showing up at the junkyard and Joe had a gun, he shot them out of fear. One person with a gun against four men. Deborah says, sounds like a lot of drugs. Tweakers, Shri says, I think I've heard this country song before. Good one, Shri. You know I don't listen to country music, though. Shri, it's against my religion. So that is that story. And um, the point within all of this is that I hope you are learning from the unfound nows to kind of read a story like this and be quickly able to say, it's just something about this that doesn't sound right. And we were right that these guys weren't going on a bike ride. They were going to rob somebody or do something illegal. Have to be, uh, got to read between those lines. So that is that story. I'm going to go uh, read another question. Now, this is from Charlene. If you don't know, Charlene is the, uh, person who likes to paint and draw on things while listening to the podcast or listening to this live show. So hello, Charlene. Charlene asks, asks, if you weren't doing what you currently do, what would you like to do instead in an ideal world? I think in an ideal world, I would be doing this. Um, but if, Let's put it this way. If all of the missing persons cases 
uh, suddenly became solved. And nobody ever went missing again. What would Ed choose to do with his life next? Well, you know, it, 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 you know, I guess at 52, 53, 54, um, you know, I, I have to say, Charlene, uh, maybe this isn't going to surprise anybody, but not, I think I would get back into music. Um, not that, not that I would be able to tour the world or anything, of course, in a dream world. I think every guy wants to be a rock star, but um, probably that Charlene. I'd probably start really, really practicing the piano again. Really, you know, just don't really have the time. Man, that uh, just won't go away, will it, Cherie? Um, I'd probably get back into that. I don't know how much money I'm going to make in doing that, but. You know, there are a lot of venues around here, you know, out at the beach where musicians play in the evening. There are a lot of little bars that have bands all around this area. I'm not much of a bar guy, but I am a musician guy. So I don't mind being in a bar if I'm in a band or something. But to go to a bar and, you know, I don't drink and all that stuff. So um, probably that, Charlene probably hit the the piano or the keyboard that I have a lot harder than I do really get good at least playing like chords and playing rhythm guitar that's probably what I would do probably if all the missing persons in cases in the world suddenly um got solved I certainly like for example I certainly wouldn't aspire to be like a I'm too old to ever be a touring pro for disc golf and I would never want to do that too much, too much craziness, too much, too much stuff going on. Um, wouldn't want to do that. There's so many things that I could never do given my personality and my brain and, and everything. So if I wasn't doing what I would currently do, what would I do instead? I'd just start hitting the music again. And um, given that, you know, I was introduced to music uh, through my mother, who was a music major at Duquesne University and taught music in schools. And then she taught music or taught piano out of our house. That's how I learned to play. I was forced to learn. You know, I think that that, that would be nice, too. And, and as I've stated, uh, my mother, who is deceased now, is the biggest fan of Unfound. So I would think going and doing the music uh, would be another way then to honor her. Maybe my dad's feeling left out of all of this, but I don't. So there you go. That is my answer, Charlene. And, you know, of course, I already have the hair to go along with it. So there's that. Uh, moving on. Let's talk about the next. Uh, or Cherie says, you could be the piano man, play me a melody. Uh, I have to admit, Cherie, I'm not a big Billy Joel fan. But uh, he's certainly great on the piano, certainly. I like a few of his songs, but... Um, when I think about playing like a keyboard or something, it would be in a band. I've done a lot of solo performing way back in the day on the piano, playing classical music and things. Um, I'd really prefer like to be, you know, playing with other men and women, uh, 
you know, as a team or something and doing all sorts of different types of music that I like. Of course, Deep Purple has keyboards in, in their music. I love Deep Purple. Rush, of course, has a lot of great keyboard in their music. You know, all sorts of different types we could do. That would be more like my vision than play guitar at the same time. Shree gives me the 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 sour face because I don't I'm not a big Billy Joel fan. Sorry, Shree. All right, so like I said, uh, in about seven hours, I'm going to be getting up uh, about quarter after five in the morning. Get all my stuff together, drive over to the Tampa airport, park in the economy parking lot. Already got my space reserved. Already paid for it. No, I can't bill them. I can't bill Greeley Weld County. But uh, then I'll take the little train over to the airport. And I think my flight takes off at 8.15 a.m. And it's almost a four-hour flight. So it's going to be a while. I'm going to be in the plane quite a while. Maybe watch a movie or something. I'm sure I'm going to be tired. We'll just have to see. I, you know, I don't like flying. So there's that. I love airports. Don't like flying. So then I'm going to land. And then just like last year, there'll be a van there that I'll get in the van. And this uh, transportation will take me to Greeley, which is about an hour north of Denver. And my reservation uh, is already done there. And I will be there till Thursday. And I think that I'm going to have to listen to the entire uh, Panky interview again to double check it because <laughs> it's obviously that's why I'm going there. It's being offered as evidence again. And then I guess my guess is that on Wednesday uh, is when all of it's going to happen. And I, I, my thinking is that it's not going to be split into two days. You have to remember when I was there last year, kind of started in the early afternoon and then it ran over into Friday morning. And then I, I think I was on the stand at eight 30 by like 10 after nine, I was already back in my hotel and back in bed. I don't think that's going to be the way it is this year. Uh, I think probably it's just going to be Wednesday, one day probably. And that'll be it. I'm hoping anyway, but I don't come back until Thursday. Am I following? Now you may be wondering, am I following anything that has been going on so far? Cause the trial started last week. I have not taking the same attitude that I did last year. I know nothing. I hear nothing. I see nothing. Uh, like the, that picture of the monkeys. Because just, uh, just like last year, I just want to go in with a very clear head. I don't want any have any preconceptions about what anything that has gone on so far to cloud my head, be in my head when up when I'm up there. Granted, what I had to do last year was not very difficult. Uh, very straightforward questions. Ho hoping it'll be that way this time too. Maybe not, but. I'm just staying away from any of the opening arguments or who I don't even know if there's whoever's been on the stand. I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if it's being written about. I'm guessing it has, but um, so 
After, though, I'm on the stand, then I am sure, just like I did last year, I will follow it every day because I do have a subscription to the Greeley Tribune or whatever it's called, the Greeley Record or whatever it is. So I will follow it after I'm done, and then next Monday I will tell you about everything that went on there. I am flying – you know, one of the weird things is I'm flying United. I can't even tell you the last time I flew United Airlines. I think last year it was Southwest from Tampa to Denver and back, pretty sure. But I'm really like – you know, when I've flown over the last so many years, it's Southwest. I did Allegiant a couple times. Spirit Airlines, because they're so cheap, as long as you don't have any luggage, it's very cheap. And that's how I usually fly to to Pennsylvania when I've driven my dad back. I don't take anything. I get on the plane, get there, drive back. I can't remember the time I've flown like on American Airlines or United so this this is going to be I think this is going to be kind of weird. So um we shall see. I don't know what kind of in-flight entertainment there is. I'll have my phone what's most important to me. Got to have my music. Uh my phone will be full. My new phone will be fully charged. I'm going to take my old phone too just in case. Um I'm going to have my headphones, my Bluetooth headphones all charged up 100%. And I'm just going to be listening to my music and tune everything out. And if there's like a movie that they're offering offering like on the plane, like Southwest does that for free. Like I think I watched uh, Aquaman one flight and uh, like between Pennsylvania and here. And I watched uh, the latest James Bond movie. And I forget what I was, what I did last year on the plane, but if it's something interesting like that, I'll probably watch it. If not, I'll probably just listen to my music, take a snooze. That's um, that's how I'm going to handle the trip. And then all of you know that my uh, nephew Charlie, who is here in the chat, maybe going to see him. Uh, I don't know, uh, Charlie, maybe tomorrow night, Wednesday night, if we can make that happen. Um, we'll see. Yep. Charlie, Charlie, Charles says, yep. Okay. Very good. I just don't really know what my schedule is at all. I will try to let you know, text you or something. Once I find out, I mean, surely we're not going to go later than, you know, I'm certainly not going to be in the courtroom tomorrow. So it has to be Wednesday and surely we're not going to go past like five o'clock or something. Charles, you should know though. I'm not staying at the same hotel. But you know, if we want to go to the same pizza place again, that'd be that'd be great with me. Um, let's see what everybody else is saying here. Um, Shri says uh, you should do a little bit for us one night. You mean on the keyboard or something? I'm gonna have to practice a little bit. I did play piano for Doctor Telesco when I was down at Nova Southeastern uh, because they had a piano. They have a piano in the break room on her floor at the university a beautiful white grand piano. And I sat down and I played the opening to the Charlie Brown song. I played that uh, for them. And then I also played the beginning of a a Franz Liszt tune. Um, 
but before I could ever do anything live, you know, I'm going to have to hit the keyboards a little bit. Sharice says, take a jacket. I will be doing that. Uh, Puma says, just getting here. Did you talk about the, I did already talk about the four missing guys, Puma. You're just going to have to rewind it. What if there is a third trial? Goodness could be Sheree. Hello, everything. Full opening statements are here on YouTube. I'm not watching them, Sheree. Uh, Twinkle says, I enjoyed my flights on you, Titanited. Okay. Um, I hope I do too, Twinkle. Just get there in one piece, you know, back and forth. Sheree, I enjoy United also. Maybe it's because of so many spirit flights to Colorado. Uh, Charles says, the boys and I are looking forward to seeing you. Spectacular. It'll be, it's, uh, it'll be cool. Everything says only 121 likes. Come on, peeps. Yeah, come on, peeps. We need some more, uh, kind of a lower turnout tonight, which is fine. I think probably is because everybody knows this is a podcast now and they know they can tune in afterwards. So, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that may be a factor, but yeah, give this thumbs up. Um, give us a thumbs up here as you are watching. We got about 45 minutes to go. So that is my Greeley trip. Um, I'm taking this laptop. I'm taking this laptop. I'm taking both of my phones. I'm taking my headphones. That can all fit in my computer bag right here. And then I have another bag for my clothes. And uh, the court is just going to have to accept me however I look. So there's that. I can actually fit quite a bit in this bag uh, that I can carry on with me. And um, my buddy Cameron is going to be ecstatic because it's a bag that I got from one of his tournaments with his tournament's logo on it. So um, he should find that to be humorous. Um, but I think I'll I'll be all right. Of course – you know, I'll be able to put certain things in that bag, but I'll probably have to buy a couple things. Maybe once I once I get through security at, at the Tampa airport, or uh, maybe once I get to Greeley, there are a couple things that I will have to buy that I just can't fit in the bag that will not go through. Like, you know, can you take liquid stuff? I don't. Even, I haven't even looked. You know, liquid stuff, toothpaste, and stuff like that. I don't even know. I haven't even looked it up, so I don't even. All right, moving on. I want to talk about the murder of Elizabeth Barraza. Now, this is something that uh, Sheree brought to my attention, and I I'll, and I'm gonna I'll tell at least a little bit of the story, Sheree. Uh, Cmax says, uh, "Thank you so much for doing a video on Caitlin Rose. I've been following her disappearance closely for two months now." Sea snack, uh, you're very welcome. Uh, you know, we've covered quite a few disappearances like hers. You know, ones that have been a part of the official podcast. Uh, as I said, I just don't think that foul play was involved. There's nothing that I see in any of the facts that cause me to believe that. Uh, it does seem that she had some things going on. But, uh, but you know, of course, we hope that she is found alive. But uh, but thank you for the uh, the statement there. Thank you for uh, joining in the chat tonight. Uh, Charles says three ounces and down. I don't even know how to measure three ounces, so I'm just going to dismiss that as a no. So once again, once I get out there, probably have to buy just little touristy things like mouthwash, like 
little thing of toothpaste and stuff. And of course, shampoo too, because three ounces of shampoo is not going to cut it for this hair. So Elizabeth Barraza, she was murdered back in 2019. And this is a uh, a murder that came to my, uh, well, Sharia alerted me to it. And uh, like I said, Sharia, I'm not going to go into the full thing, but uh, Sharia was a little miffed on how other people had been, have been covering this murder, which is now over, you know, like three and a half years old. And she does this once in a while. She, when she sees the coverage of some murder or some unsolved mystery, something like that. And of course it doesn't fall into unfounds uh, purview. It's, you know, it's not a disappearance, but it's murdered, murdered something else. Sometimes, uh, she likes to vent on me, and she wants to, she'll be go down the rabbit hole. Sheree loves to go down rabbit holes. Uh, she'll you know text me, "Did you see this?" And most of the time, the answer is no. But this is something that caught my eye, and so I want to talk about it right now. Elizabeth Barraza. Uh, there's an article here, but I'll just tell you what happened. She um, was married, and. What happened was that she and her husband were planning to go on a little bit of a vacation, and they planned to generate some cash for this vacation. They decided to have this garage sale, and they were going to be leaving like the, the next Monday, and so they were going to have like this garage sale over the weekend for a few days, collect whatever cash they could make, and then take that cash on vacation, something that people do. Well, what happened on the very first morning of the garage sale or yard sale, whatever you, however you want to put it, um, husband leaves for work. Right after he leaves, somebody in a four-wheel drive pickup pulls up in front of the house. She's outside. It's, it's kind of still dark. It's like 6.15 in the morning in January. Of course, it's still going to be dark. The person walked, and it's on video. Maybe some of you know about it. It's on video. Kind of see this person. This, the truck stops. The person walks up to Elizabeth, who has her back turned. And you can tell that when she turns around, she's very startled. Who wouldn't be? The two seem to talk for a few moments. Maybe even like the person was like trying to hand something to Elizabeth. But then this person... Shot Elizabeth dead. Died on the spot. And once the, you know, of course, she's dead and people hear the shots and P the police showed up fairly quickly. But whoever the shooter was jumped in this truck, got along, got away, and they were able to follow this truck, you know, through various video cameras and everything. But then they eventually lost it, went into an area where there were no cameras. And so this is still unsolved three and a half years later. And in looking, though, at this video that this neighbor happened to have, what they determined was that this truck had actually been cruising the area before this happened. It's obvious that this shooter was waiting for Elizabeth husband, Elizabeth, Elizabeth's husband to leave before doing this. Obvious. In addition... I think they determined that this truck had gone through the neighborhood hours before that. 
and cruised by. So this is still unsolved. It's 2019. Now you should know their husband, uh, Liz's father, his name is Bob Newell. The husband's name uh, is what, Sergio, I think? I think it should be in here, but I'm reading this article and I'm not seeing his name. Why wouldn't they put the husband's name in this article? But the husband, you should know, has gotten married since then. And he married uh, another woman whose last name, maybe what we might call maiden last name, was Riley, R-I-L-E-Y. And um, there's audio of it. Emma's saying there's audio. And yes, there were four shots, and this is going to be very important here in a moment. And thank you for bringing that. Thank you. I I was going to talk about that. Uh, and M also says one I've tried so hard to get a read on her murder, but I just can't. I usually can't. So I want I, I so want it to be solved. Well, I'm going to talk about it, M. So you tuned in to the right live show tonight and you can thank Sharif for even putting this on my radar. And you should know that uh, I've had a, I sent an email to John Lorden about it because he covered her murder and he wrote back to me. And John, if you're watching, I'm sorry I haven't written back to you uh, yet. Uh, been a little busy, but John Lorden sent me back a long email. Of course, I'm not going to say what he wrote, but he wrote he wrote me back a long email about some of the coverage, what he's done, what other people have done, his insight. I'll just leave it at that. Well, here are some of my insights. And once again, as you know, I am not a murder guy, although we do believe a lot of disappearances we cover on Unfound are murders. Obviously, you don't need to be a murder or disappearance expert to know. Obviously, this person was waiting for her husband to leave. There is no doubt about that. We can think a lot of different things about who might have done this, but surely it was not a coincidence that this person showed up within minutes of him leaving and going down the road. Now, what? however, what is unclear, what's unclear is that, does that then mean that the shooter knew that they were going to be having this this sale, this garage sale. It very well may be that this person decided to kill Elizabeth weeks ago, didn't want to do it when the husband was home, and then it just happened to be on this particular day when this person decided, you know, I'm going to wait for him to leave, and then I'm going to go up to the front door, knock on it, she's going to answer the door, and I'm going to shoot her. But instead, they're having this garage sale, which I guess made the shooting uh, a, a little more convenient for the shooter. So obvious point number one, that this person was waiting for the husband to leave. And you should know, husband's still walking around a free man, got married again. Now here's point number two, and this is not to be sexist. I am surely not uh, a male chauvinist or anything like that. As you all know, most of my assistants are women. I love working with women. I love taking their advice. All of it. But the gun used in this shooting was a revolver. It was not a semi-automatic. I think most of you know the difference. Of course, uh, you know, a revolver is like the old West type of guns that, you know, with the, you know, the circular thing and the bullets are in this circle. And when you pull the trigger, one goes off and then the cylinder spins. Whereas a semi-automatic is like the gun that 
uh, Bruce Willis uses in Die Hard, where it's in a, the bullets are in a magazine stacked on top of each other in the handle of the gun. Now, I will tell you this. My experience as a gun owner, my experience of going to the range, gun range over the last six years since I got my Glock 19, many, many, many times, I will tell you this. When I think about somebody using a revolver, two groups mainly use revolvers. When I go to the range, there are two groups that are mainly shooting revolvers. One, old guys. And when I say old guys, I don't mean guys like just barely older than I am, but like guys who are over 70 years old, over 80 years old. The second group most likely to be using practicing with a revolver at the range are women. Yes, I know. A lot of women out there carry semi-automatics. I know. But the issue, the reason that more women are more likely to carry a revolver if they carry a gun at all is because with semi-automatics, the way they work, the slide, which is the top of the part of the gun which slides back and forth that releases the spent cartridge and picks up the next one, it's very spring-loaded. And if you have to move that, that slide... If you do not have, if you have small hands, so for women generally, or you have weak hands, which could be old people, men included, my dad has the same issue. That he got rid of two guns because he just got to the point where his hands, early 80s year olds, he just couldn't grab the slide and bring it back anymore. He just didn't have enough grip pressure. Now he still has a semi automatic, but it's a different kind of gun. So when I hear about, a shooting with a revolver, I got to tell you, I think a woman shot her. It certainly wasn't an old guy. I mean, we if you see the video, you can see the person walking up. You can see the person walking, running away. That's no 80-year-old guy or 70-year-old guy. That is certainly a younger person. But you add in the odds of a man using a revolver for something like this, very low. Now, I should also say the other reason that I don't think it was a man, and this this is just kind of how we guys are. You know, people who are really into guns, there's just something more manly about carrying a gun with more bullets in it. You know what I mean? You know, it's kind of like guys who like to prop up their trucks with the big tires and everything. Um, you know, there are a lot of men out there who might think that, you know, carrying a... Now, I know Dirty Harry carried a revolver, but that's a movie. Carrying a revolver that only carries like five or six bullets, for a lot of men who are maybe a little insecure... You know, it's a PG-rated program, so I'm just going to leave it at that. They might just not think carrying a five or six-round gun, you know, six rounds in is manly enough. Now, I carry Glock 19. It holds uh, 17 in the magazine because I have extended magazine on it. 
but I'm not a you know a big revolver guy. And plus, Glocks are known as being the most reliable guns on the like the, they're like the Toyota of guns. That's why I have a Glock because they're most reliable, not because of any other thing going on. But when I think about a shooting involving a revolver, the circumstances, I think a woman. And then it's written in the article was this person wearing a wig and are we sure that a woman didn't do this? Now, you should know something else, and this is what I think has been one of the sticking points for all of this is that you know we have this four-wheel drive vehicle, not the rarest of vehicles, but certainly not common. How is it that you know, the police haven't been able to track this vehicle down. Well, you should know something. How much, uh, Shri, how much do I really want to say about this? Let's just say that somebody who is close to Elizabeth's husband would probably have access to vehicles such as that. Let's just put it that way. So, I think a woman did this. Now, I don't know why. Now, I understand that uh, Elizabeth had some job where she entered data at some corporation. Could be that. Did, you know, they didn't have any kids. I don't think that they didn't have any kids or they didn't. I don't think she had any kids from a prior marriage. Couldn't be like some beef over child stuff, some other parent getting angry or something. So, you know, we're really limited in your possibilities unless it was just some crazy person. You know, who was thoughtful enough to wait for her husband to leave and then decided that, yeah, Elizabeth Barraza has to die today. What this reminds me um, of is, you know, kind of it reminds me of Dan Markell's. This is very much like Dan Markell's. He pulls into his driveway, and who would have thunk it? There were people waiting for him to come home in his driveway, and he was shot to death. Now, that one was over custody issues. His dead, um, or his ex-wife, Ex-wife's brother and some other people got together and decided that Dan, had ne- Dan needed to die so the ex-wife could take the children back to South Florida. To this day, uh, the ex-wife has never been implicated in everything, even though a lot of people say that she absolutely knew that was going to happen. No proof of that. But the shooting does remind me a lot of Dan Markell. From 2014, you can look it up, M-A-R-K-E-L. I really followed that when it happened. Now, of course, the question is, if it's so clear to me, <laughs> why is this still a mystery? Well, I'm, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but I've convinced myself it's a woman. Now, there are, of course, there are a lot of women in the world. But we also know that stranger on stranger crime is very, very rare. And we also have to wonder 
if this was just an out and out shooting, if you watch the video and it's on YouTube and other places, Elizabeth had her back turned to the street. This person could have come up behind her, shot her in the back. And in fact, Elizabeth doesn't even know that this person is there. And I think until the person's, I mean, the person was in within feet of Elizabeth and must have said something to her. And that's what caused Elizabeth to turn around. And you can see even as far away the camera is and it's dark and everything else. You can see the body language of Elizabeth. You know, she kind of jerks around. She's very, you know, very startled. We have to ask the question, why didn't this person just shoot her in the back? Now, it very well may be because this killer wanted to make sure the the, the right person was going to be murdered, which then makes this even more targeted. This person wasn't just looking for anybody to murder on that morning. This person was looking specifically for Elizabeth Barraza to murder, and the shooter needed Elizabeth to turn around to face the shooter so the shooter could say, Oh, yeah, that's you. Bang, 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 bang. And on top of all of it, as M already wrote in the chat, one of these shots missed Elizabeth, and it was at point-blank range. I mean, uh, they were, I would say, they were about, you know, this far away from each other. That's it. And one of the shots missed Elizabeth. This would also say that this was not some skilled shooter or um, somebody who was used to shooting people. Somebody who was uh, very familiar with guns, which then goes back once again to my idea about a revolver because uh, revolvers on top of everything else are just easier to to uh, use than semi-automatics. You know, semi-automatics, you got safeties and you got little buttons and things on them. Glocks don't, but most others do. Whereas with um, revolvers, a lot simpler to understand, a lot simpler to use. So there's that. But I wanted to talk about that. You know, you should watch the video, see what you think. But that revolver part of this murder speaks volumes to me. Like if you ever, like, for example, if you were to just go to YouTube and start uh, doing searches for murders or shootings that are caught on camera, like video cameras, thousands and thousands, if not millions of videos right here on YouTube that you can find that have been posted there. Not very many of them include revolvers. Most of them are semi-automatics. You might get some shotguns. You might get, you know, your AR-15, AK-47 kind of rifle in there or something, you know, a little smaller than that type of rifle. Obviously, revolvers are still popular and sold and everything, but not used in a lot of shootings. Why? Because old men and women aren't likely to shoot people, whereas... Young men are, and then, but young men prefer, once again, my observation, semi-automatic weapons, not 
uh, revolvers. So something uh, to think about there. Uh, that's right, MES. Uh, everything is agreeing with me regarding the uh, revolver part of this. Charlene, lots of coffee consumed. Now it's time for some art play. Okay, Charlene, uh, let us know what you're doing. Uh, Puma, and uh, thank you for posting and uh, talking about Unfound uh, with your paintings. I appreciate that, Charlene. I answered your question, by the way. Uh, Puma, was it the new wife? Was the husband cheating? Uh, Puma, I really don't want to get into that here. I'm just going to leave it at that. M says, weren't there two people in the truck? Well, that has been uh, alleged, M, but I think people are just seeing things. We have to think it's night. It's poor video. I mean, how could you even see something like that? Uh, Sheree doesn't believe so. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hide your comment. Troll came back, and I hit the wrong message. I apologize. <laughs> that happens. Looked like she was a good shot with a steadiness until you realized she missed the first shot. If it was a she, but... I'm thinking it was a she. And we know how rare women shooting people is. Pretty rare. Pretty rare. But that's what I think. Let's go back to some more questions. Um, so I got Charlene's question. I hope you heard that. Jill, would you say what would you say is your best steps of what to do when a police department doesn't actively investigate? <clears throat> just depend, Jill. Um, just depends on um, what timeline we're talking about. If it's something like right after a disappearance happened, or twenty years down the road. Uh, what I have told two former guests just recently, you know, they're very frustrated. The problem is that they just haven't go through all the channels. That, in in fact. They haven't even filed Freedom of Information Act requests yet. So what I told them, fill those out, send them in, see what happens. Maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised. Like I was with Jennifer Perry's disappearance when I got 240 pages. Maybe. But if the police department blows you off and says, well, it's still an active investigation, even though we all know they're not doing anything and we, it's a disappearance that's 30 years old and all the people who originally worked on it are all now vacationing Hawaii and don't give a dang, then I've urged those guests to start going to council meetings in their, uh, for the county, for the city, for the town, wherever they are, and start raising a stink. And you start showing up at the mayor's office, and that's just what you're going to have to do. And make sure you get it on the record. A lot of these meetings are public forums. They're videoed. They're played live on, like, local cable access channels in those areas. And you start going there, get on camera, get up to the microphone, tell them what you're going through, tell them how you're not getting any relief from the police. They say it's an active investigation. It was 30 years ago. How do, we, how do I know they're doing anything at all? I've gone all through the pr proper channels. They're not showing me any paperwork. On and on and on. And you record all of it. And you make sure every elected official or appointed official, who, whatever jurisdiction it is, knows. And then you go to your local state representative and you just start showing them all of this information you've collected and raise a stink so they can't ignore you anymore.
So that's what I would say. That has been my vice. Not easy. Easy for me to talk. But, and it's just amazing to me, though, that more people don't do this. And we know people like Mary Lyle and others who have gotten laws passed, spectacular. Um, but not everybody can do that. And I really don't know if, you know, really at this point, do we need any more laws? I don't think we do. I think we need more action. We have enough laws on the books. Somebody just has to do something. And, you know, this, you know, once again, not to get into politics, but laws don't fix things. So that has been my recommendation recently, uh, Jill. Fill out the FOIAs, show that you're willing to do things the proper way. Show you're willing to play by the book and be nice and be cordial and smile and everything. But as soon as you get blown off, as soon as you don't think you're getting enough respect, hammer down. But you don't go to these meetings and drop F-bombs and everything else. You're passionate. You're well-spoken. You have to be a happy warrior. But you start dropping F-bombs and calling people's names and everything, that's not going to get you anywhere. Even though that's, I know that's, I, you know, people feel like that's what they want to do. Next question. Valerie, would you rather cook yourself dinner or go out to eat? Oh, and also, was your mom or your dad the better cook? Oh, man, two tough questions, Valerie. Wow, you're making it tough with 15 minutes to go. Uh, would I rather cook yourself dinner or go out to eat? Um, you know, Valerie, uh, of course, everybody's on a budget. And of course, these days with inflation and seriously, do not look at your 401k accounts. Uh, of course, in a perfect world, I think everybody would be going out to eat with the bottomless pit of money. I think everybody would be going to Ruth's Chris and to steakhouse and to sushi bars and everything else. But, um, you know, I have to admit, I've really never been a really go-out-to-eat guy. Um, even though I'm not much of a cook either. But I, you know, as you know, I've kind of gotten into cooking wings at home, uh, cook hamburgers at home on the George Foreman Grill. I cook uh, chicken breasts here and, you know, and a lot of different things. And on top of everything else, I like a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So it just depends then, Valerie. Um, the thing like sushi, I love sushi. Um, I would love to go to some all-you-can-eat sushi places, but that's not cheap. But I love sushi, but it's expensive. Even when uh, we aren't going through what we're going through, sushi is not – even when I lived in Las Vegas and prices were a little different, that was like a twice a year thing, but I love sushi. Now, as far as my mom or my dad being the better cook, I will tell you that my dad uh, was uh, is a better cook than my mother was, but my mother is a, was a better baker. If you want something cooked, like dad makes pork chops or steak or hamburgers or fajitas or things – the way I remember it, 
here in the last 20 years, my dad was a better cook. Like when I would go home to, to Pennsylvania and my mother was still alive. Then I remember my, when my mother was doing the cooking when I was growing up. That's the way I remember it. That perceptually, my dad was a better cook. And my mom, once I left home in 1998, my dad will tell me my mother was more than happy to let my dad cook. But my mother was a spectacular baker. Loved making cookies and pies and cakes and everything. And she was awesome at it. So everybody knew about Loretta Denzel's cakes and brownies and chocolate chip cookies and everything else. She was spectacular. So my dad's a better cook. My mother uh, will always be the better baker, Valerie. And do I need, uh, what is this story? Uh, I want to talk about this, uh, and then I'm going to answer a final question, and then we're going to talk about this Friday's episode, which is already done, by the way. Um, Kelly Rod, Kylie Rodney. The cause of death for 16-year-old Kylie Rodney, who disappeared after a party in August, has been revealed. The coroner's division of the Nevada County Sheriff's Office has ruled that the death of Kylie Rodney was accidental. Their statement added that this, this decision is based on the pathologist's report that she drowned and that there, were no other, there was no other evidence to suggest that she was killed by someone else. As always, our office will keep working with the family and look at any new information about this investigation. The NCSO concluded, we urge that both the media and the public respect the family's privacy during this terrible time. Rodney was last seen in August at a party near Tahoe National Forest. People confirmed at the time that on the night before, Kylie was one of more than 100 juveniles and young adults who had attended a party near the Prosser family campground about 10 miles north of Truckee. The campground is located above the Prosser Creek Reservoir along the western shore of the reservoir. The area is covered in Jeffrey Pine, sage, and fir trees. Kylie's phone hadn't been on since she left the party, and investigators were unable to track her down in her 2013 Honda CRV. Uh, the teen's body and vehicle were later recovered on August 21st, as you all know, by Adventures with Purpose. The car was upside down in Prosser Reservoir. It's a weird word. It's French. Below 14 feet of water. Um, okay. So, for some reason... It seems some people want to continue um, you know, with the talk regarding her uh, death and uh, making out, well, maybe things aren't the way they are. And there was, as once again, Shri and I talking um, back and forth over maybe, uh, you know, over the past weeks about this. This could not be, this is one of those things that drives me nuts as a true crime podcast host. It's obvious to me that just people want to talk about this stuff just to talk. We all know that people getting into vehicles after they've been doing drugs and alcohol is a very bad idea. Now, do most people do that die? No. Do most people who do that get into wrecks? No. Do most people who do this end up harming somebody else? No, but we still know it's dangerous. And we all know that if you get caught drinking and driving, 
you may be having to use Uber and get your mother to drive you around for a while. You may even go to jail. But even though these things are not the most likely to happen, doesn't mean that they don't. And I think we are, you know, we're to the place here, at least in the United States, when it comes to car wrecks, that pretty much when car wrecks happen, it's because of people being intoxicated one way or another behind the wheel. Most wrecks, you know, just like, um, you know, we talk about children when they disappear or, or, or get murdered, it's usually by their parents. When we have car wrecks in the United States, it's usually by somebody doing something he or she shouldn't be doing and probably under the effect of something. So I don't know then why when we know that Kylie was doing things she shouldn't have been doing at her age and then compounded that problem by choosing to drive after doing these things, though anybody is surprised that she ended up in 14 feet of water. This, what, do I, what have I said about the uh, smiley face killer hoax? Um, I don't know why anybody's surprised that drunk people can't swim. So when it comes to this, I don't know why anybody's surprised that a drunk girl behind a vehicle, you know, behind the wheel of her vehicle would just happen to drive into a lake. That doesn't surprise me at all. Why does it surprise so many people out there who continue to want to make this out? To be something like, oh, well, she was dead and somebody pushed her car into the water and somebody was in the passenger seat and jumped out. Because you can find those stories out there. You know, even when it comes to Adventures with Purpose, they certainly didn't help things. Certainly helped finding her spectacular for them. That's what they do. But when you start opening your mouth and, well, it seems suspicious and everything else, there's nothing suspicious about this. Drunk people driving cars end up in water. And and if anybody should know that, Adventures with Purpose should know that because that's their business. I mean, we have to believe that in most of these situations where these cars with people in them have been found, we got to believe for the most part the reason that happened was because they were driving when they shouldn't have been. hate it but people's just need sometimes just need something to talk about they're bored at home you know they want to think about other things going on in their lives they just want to concentrate on kylie rodney and just starting thinking about the possibilities that doesn't fix anything because what happens is when the truth gets covered up by rumor then nobody's going to learn anything from this. Whereas if it was just out there, you know what? Kylie Rodney died because she shouldn't have been drinking and driving. That's something that maybe other teenagers will learn from it. They'll learn something from it. It'll be national news. Don't do this. But when you start putting all this other stuff on top of there, well, it looks suspicious. The lesson isn't learned. Because we can't save Kylie Rodney now. Maybe we can save somebody else. But we can't save somebody else when that somebody else thinks, oh, she really didn't die because she was drinking and driving. No, she was actually murdered, then put in her car, and the car was pushed into the lake. 
Hate it. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. Um, the Oracle that made it back. Yeah, right here at the end, the Oracle. Good to see you. Uh, you're welcome, NT. Uh, Ferry, come out west. Lots of sushi places, I should say, west coast. We have sushi, sushi here too, Ferry. Uh, a lot. Just once again, it's like a luxury item. Uh, his mother was Italian, which I think is neat. Uh, good morning, uh, from, you're from, you're Indian, Bim, huh? Actually in India? That would be cool. That would, I think, be a first. Sneestack, did you notice in the reports on Caitlin Rose, it said authorities don't believe she ever entered Oklahoma, and at some point they don't believe she was in control of the vehicle. Well, you know, I'd like to see, I just, They maybe believe a lot of things. If they can't offer proof, C-Snack, then I don't know what to think of that. They don't believe, they don't believe, they don't believe. That believe is not no. Is not no at K-N-O-W. So I have to say I, I don't know what to make of that. Rook is such a sly, uh, sad case regarding Kyle lost way too young, no matter if people believe it was an accident or believe other. Shri says the conspiracy theories are too much. So many new YouTube channels because of her accident. Yep. It's a cottage. Just like Tom Brown, Michael Crane, and the rest of them. It's a cottage industry. These things pop up when people think they can get attention for themselves. Absolutely true. It's worse than I've ever seen it. True. The Oracle, I agree. Too many of YouTubes are still covering it, trying to hold on and make it something it isn't. Sharice says, so true, Ed. There is a lesson, but sadly no one will ever be told. Don't drive intoxicated. So there you go. All right, so that's Kylie Rodney. I'm telling you. She went into the water because she was drinking and driving, didn't know what she was doing. That's why it happened. All right, final question, and then I will talk about this Friday's disappearance. Uh, Laura asked me, do you ever get nervous speaking in front of a lot of people? Laura's asking because uh, she has a Skype interview coming up for a job, and she's so nervous. I did dance and other sports all through childhood and even some adulthood and never had an issue, but as soon as I have to speak in front of people, forget about it. Sometimes I shut down and even have a panic attack. Laura, um, coincidentally, I wrote about this in the most recent newsletter. Maybe that's why you're asking me that. Um, the The problem I have is that there's no way any of you can get the – if you are s- nervous about speaking in front of people, there's no way any of you can get the experience uh, that I got because it you know takes a lot of time and you have to be committed to it. And I had a job for four and a half years where I was required to speak in front of people. In fact, not even only speak in front of them, but pre- pretend in front of them. And that'll get you over your fears all very, very quickly. But going back to that newsletter, what did I talk about? You got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. There also has to be a sense of, I don't care what happens. You know, this is something that I, that's, that athletes learn. A lot of people learn as soon as you start thinking about the results as soon as you start thinking about your expectations, well, I got to do good. I don't want to mess up. I got to do good. I don't want to mess up. 
that's just going to make you anxious. It's just going to give you anxiety. So you can't think about that. Easy for me to talk because this is one of the big problems I had when I had, you know, anxiety and the yips out in the disc golf course. That's what I was doing. I was fearful that bad things were going to happen. And then those bad things happened. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you got to be prepared. Know that material backwards, forwards. You can't care about the results, even though it's very important what you're doing. You can't care about the results. And you just have to realize that even if you do get critiqued after it, it really doesn't matter. If somebody thinks they can do a better job on it, then they can go do it. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, like I said, uh, probably you're best off uh, reading the most recent newsletter, the one that just came out, where I wrote about um, speaking in front of people and some tips I have in much more greater detail than I can do off the top of my head right now. I get it why people are afraid to, to speak in public. I get it. Uh, but here's what I wouldn't do. Don't do that, that vice. Well, just pretend your audience is naked. Don't do that. That's, I think that's, that has to be a joke that got started somewhere that then became like good advice. Don't do that. Your mind should be on what you're talking about. It shouldn't be about imagining things. You know, you know, you need all of your mind concentrated on what you're doing, not a part of it, you know, trying to create some, um, you know, a, illusion out there in front of you. Don't do that. Now, as far as this Friday's episode, we're going back to Mississippi. It seems like we've been there many times over the last six years. going to cover the disappearance of Angela Freeman. It's a disappearance that is uh, just over 29 years old. It happened outside of Petal, Mississippi, P-E-T-A-L, September 9th, 1993. The guest is Angela's mother, Deborah Freeman. And the title of the episode is Proof Positive. And, you know, we don't have many of these types of disappearance or this aspect of many disappearances, but we'll actually be talking about some blood evidence. You know how rare that is. We don't talk about that a lot. But that will be a topic for this Friday. Angela was 17. She was four months pregnant. Although she did not admit to anybody who she thought the father was. I think that we have a couple different choices there. She was going to see an ex-boyfriend whose name was Steven at the place he worked at. He worked at a pizza hut. And she left a note saying so. She never returned. The next morning, her car was found near a bridge called the Monard Bridge. And there was a small pool of blood near her car. And she has never been seen again. And what has complicated this investigation is three years later, after she disappeared on that very bridge, which was only like 100 yards away from where her car was, two people were murdered on that bridge three years later. Now, those killers were caught. But uh, Deborah's mother will tell you that that murder, those murders complicated, eventually, you know, got in the way of the continued investigation into Angela's disappearance because 
think a lot of people started thinking, well, maybe the same people who killed these two on the bridge killed Angela as well. I'm not sure the facts say that. But once again, Angela Freeman, Petal, Mississippi, September 9th, 1993. Her mother, Deborah, is the guest. We'll be talking a little forensics. And the title of the episode is Proof Positive. So that's all I got for tonight. Uh, bad disc golf weekend, bad phone weekend until I got a new one today. Go check out usamega.com. Iron Maiden, not this Thursday, of course, but next Thursday. Talked uh, the, the Jolkowski poll. Of course, I'm going to Greeley, Colorado tomorrow. Talked about the four cyclists who uh, were, I don't know, I guess it was a murder, but they're certainly deceased. They were certainly shot. Talked about Kylie Rodney. We talked about the murder of Elizabeth Barraza. Gave some insights on that. Answered questions from Penny, Charlene, Jill, Valerie, and Laura. And then we finished it up with this Friday's episode, which has already done the disappearance of Angela Freeman. That's all I got. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found it informative. Continue to give this video a thumbs up. If you're listening to this as a podcast, please make sure you're subscribed to the new Unfound Live feed and give uh, the Unfound Live show a nice review on whatever app you use. That's all I got. And um, this time tomorrow, I'll be in Colorado. Brr. See ya.